What Do We Do? A podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning. Introducing listeners to the leaders in our community. Hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Steffen. Alongside WWJ Midday News anchor, Brooke Allen. Hey, I'm Brooke Allen. Our goal with the What Do We Do podcast is to educate listeners on topics that impact your financial growth, your retirement, and your lifestyle. And I'm Dewey Steffen. Join us twice a month as we welcome some of today's leaders in the community for conversations that can help with investment decisions so you can plan for and live your best life. Here's Dewey Steffen alongside Brooke Allen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the What Do We Do podcast. This is season two, episode 21, number 63. And as a reminder, the mission of the What Do We Do podcast is to provide information to help our community invest for success and be healthy, wealthy, and wise. One way that we do this is by finding leaders in our community who have a story to tell, knowledge to share, and advice to give. Well, today's episode, we're going old school. It's an audio only episode. And today's guest is a leader in so many ways. She's a superstar on the LPGA Tour. She's an inspiration to girls and women everywhere. As a daughter, sister, dog mom, wife, friend, business leader, and philanthropist. And I'm even going to add podcast celebrity after this is done. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd love to welcome Jessica Corda to the What Do We Do podcast. Jessica, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. What an intro. All right. Well, good. I'm glad you approve. I'm also going to tell you there's no pressure today. Okay. I know you've won six times on the LPGA Tour. You have a list of credentials we're going to go through. But... What Do We Do has 40,000 downloads and 350,000 total social media views. Wow, that's We have awesome. a brand new uh, medium called TikTok. Have you heard of this? <laughs> I have heard of the TikTok. The TikTok. <laughs> we have over 300,000 views on TikTok. Okay, with that, again, we want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in, and we ask that you follow, share, tell a friend. Uh, all of those out there in Podcast Nation, YouTube land, listening, um, viewing, whatever you're doing to listen to our show today, please uh, subscribe, share, and as we say, we're just getting started. So with that, Jessica, rather than me introduce you, I think it'd be great if you introduce yourself. <laughs> Would you mind real quick? Sure. I mean, hello, everybody. I don't think I've introduced myself in a while, but this is my 12th season on the LPGA Tour. I am 29 years old, which, yes, I have been doing this for a very long time. Uh, you probably have heard of my sister, Nellie, and I have a younger brother, Sebastian, who's a tennis player. And obviously, my parents being professional athletes, that rounds us up to, I think, five professional athletes in the family. Um, I uh, recently got married in December. And, um, yeah, just traveling the world one event at a time and taking my golden doodle, Charlie, everywhere I go. Your family is known as Team Corda, mm -hmm. and there also is something called, like, the Corda Slam. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the Corda Slam? Yeah, so our dad won the Aussie Open um, in 98 in singles in um, Melbourne. And so when I went there in 2012, 
um, I won in a six-person playoff um, at Royal Melbourne, which was really, really cool because, you know, just being so close to the history and I haven't been there in so long, so it was really neat to be able to do that, thinking that that's where it, like, was going to end in a sense. And then our brother started um, playing tennis and um, played really well and got in as a junior, and he won the junior singles title at the Australian Open, which was awesome. And then the pressure kind of fell on my our sister Nellie, and uh, she ended up winning a couple of years ago as well. And uh, obviously this would all not be possible without our mom, who is like, you know, the head, and then we kind of just trickle down. So technically mom has all of them, and then we just kind of trickle down from there. Right, for sure. You can call her the boss lady, <laughs> yes. right? That's awesome. Well, again, not to um, underwhelm you and your um accomplishments, I need to let you know that you are an Olympian. You were on Team USA representing the Stars and Stripes uh, in 2021 for the 2020 (laughs) Olympics. Is that right? Yes. So that's that's actually something that I keep forgetting that I have done. (laughs) Yes. And uh, your sister won the gold medal. And you two are besties, I hear. I'm pretty aware of that, right? So, yeah. uh, so I know that when she wins, you win, and together you both represented Team USA, which was certainly amazing. You've awesome. also been on three U.S. Solheim Cups, and I believe that that's uh, very important in your uh, credentials as well. Yeah, it's you know, anytime you get to represent the United States in anything is is incredible. Um, this past weekend, they played the uh, Curtis Cup, which is United States against Great Britain and Ireland. It's an amateur event, and um, you know that's kind of almost where it started for me representing the U.S. So um, it's just so nice to be able to remember certain things, but uh, definitely representing the U.S. in any uh, team or individual competition is always so special. And you were runner-up in the U.S. Amateur for women. You're also a six-time winner on the LPGA Tour. And as we always say, Jess, you're just getting started. (laughs) Yes, I am. Okay, right. You may be a uh, veteran and one of the, uh, I don't know, house moms on the (laughs) LPGA Tour at the young age of 29, but you certainly have, again, uh, over a decade of experience because you started so young. So could you kind of walk me through your junior golf days. Did you go to traditional high school? When did you pick up sticks? And when did you turn pro? All those things. So I started playing golf when, or started actually getting lessons when I was about five. Um, I was a very active child. I was literally in every sport possible just to get tired from gymnastics to tennis, like literally in everything in between, even dance, if you could believe that. So I did everything, and David Ledbetter had opened up an academy down in Bradenton where my parents spent a decent amount of time, and so my mom was like, we're putting you in anything. And golf happened to be one of them, and it kind of stuck a little bit. It wasn't my favorite sport. I definitely loved figure skating and gymnastics a lot more, but having a six-foot frame just, you know, doesn't – wouldn't bode well for me um, going forward. So um, I was kind of, you know, deciding between tennis and golf. And I just loved golf because I could play it with anyone. And I had so many friends doing it as well. And I just loved, like, the competitiveness and being outside. And truthfully, I hated running. So, you know, that felt like golf, just walking around didn't feel that difficult <laughs> at the time. Um, so, yeah, I loved doing that. And I was at the academy till I was about 15 years old. And they have a school on campus. So my days were kind of spread out between half day of school and then we would go to the golf course and then, you know, half day at the golf course and then go back to school later on for whatever classes that I missed. It was called directed learning at the time. And they did a great job, you know, giving us kind of the ability to play sport, but also get an education. And it was awesome growing up, being able to do that. And 
ended up leaving when I was 15 to go follow a coach. Um, and I went to a like a regular preparatory school where they gave you an option of like going all online or you could like take courses in the class. So because I was so desperate to play professionally and that's what I wanted to do ever since I was 15, I had class from 8 to 8.45 and then I pieced out and went to the golf course and practiced and basically did my classes during lunch break and then I would go back to the golf course and play or whatever and then do the rest as I got went home. So I kind of did everything I could to just get out of school and go play. I did graduate on time. I was actually already out here. I was 17 when I turned pro, uh, still a senior in high school and uh, I still had like a good, you know, uh, half year left of that. I was a little tough, definitely. But the day that my class graduated was the day I finished my last course um, online. So it kind of worked out with uh, perfect timing. Yeah. And then uh, with graduation of high school, but also uh, turning pro or staying amateur, like what made that decision happen? I played in my first U.S. Women's Open when I was 15 in 2008. And after that, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't look left or right. That's all I wanted. Um, the deal was with my parents that if they let me play Q school early, that um, I was gonna gonna try it. And then if I didn't make it full status card, then I was gonna look at colleges and do all that. And um, yeah, no, there was like no option of failure in my head. I was like, absolutely not. We we're going straight to the LPGA tour. So Q school worked out. Yes. And then from there, it was uh, all systems go. Yeah. Right. How long did it take until you had uh, success on the tour, whether that was top three or winning? Uh, a year. A the year. first year was brutal. Um, I was super young. Um, at the time, the tour was a lot older than it is now. I was definitely the youngest by a lot. I was traveling with my dad, uh, which bless his heart, traveling with an 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old girl who isn't playing her best has probably really tough on him as well. Um, and caddying for me and, you know, trying to be like that supportive parent, but we spent way too much time together. Okay. Um, it was brutal. It was a great learning experience. Um, one of the many reasons why my sister ended up going to the Symmetra tour, which is now the Epsom tour, um, the developmental tour to kind of just, you go from playing eight, 10 events, you know, as a junior to going to play 20 plus events as a professional and, the travel schedule and the the stress and the pressure and all of the stuff, you just don't realize the magnitude of it until you are already out here. So it's nice to have that learning um, when you are that young um, and still kind of trying to find yourself. But um, when I was, I was still 18, beginning of the year in 2012, my parents were like, you're going to Australia for four weeks. You're going to be playing in these events because we don't know if you're going to be in um, – the tournament the LPJ event at the end of like that four week stretch. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to try and qualify for it. Like whatever. So they sent me by myself. I was like in housing and I met a lot of cool people. That's actually where I met Lydia Co for the first time, which was really, it's crazy to think that she was like 13 years old at the time. Um, I've known her forever, but it was really cool. Like I got to experience all these different things. And then at the end I ended up winning in a six person playoff. My first ever, LPGA like career title so the story of how I got to that was pretty cool but it's definitely been a long windy road that's awesome we always do blow ups and we have a moment of success <laughs> right on that's awesome um, all right well then we're gonna fast forward to 2016 
this is a very important year for you and for me. Do you know why? I literally was like, wait, what did I do? And then I just realized where we're going with this. You remember this year. You're never, ever going to forget this year. Okay? How could I? I mean, it's uh, the year that we met, okay? And we played around a round of golf. And I told you uh, we played a practice round. It wasn't a pro-am. We just played a round together uh, the Monday or Tuesday before you played the Volvic mm -hmm. in Ann Arbor. And uh, we met on the first tee. And I had a, a superhero hat. I had a Captain America hat going on. I don't know if you remember. I do. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, hey, Jessica, nice to meet you. I'm here, and I'm here to take this seriously, and I'm going to take you down. <laughs> and I think you smiled and laughed just like you are right now. Probably. And you're like, right on, dude, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so um, we uh, we played that round. It was great. I got to meet you and your agent, Chris. And uh, we had some great laughs. Uh, you taught me a few things about the game. Uh, if you remember, I did play college golf as well, and I uh, captained my team many, many moons ago. I don't even know. <laughs> what moons those were but um but we had a lot of fun and then you went out and competed that whole week and uh, you almost won the dang tournament and when we uh fist bumped at the end of our round um i said you know play well and i think you got this and uh, you were either coming off of an injury or you were just trying to fit you weren't very um confident that you were going to do well but uh and then that was also something else happened that week with your sister what was that oh she bumped me out of the top 10 yeah that was cool that was not cool, right? So, uh, yes, yeah, so you have a great memory from the week and then a not-so-great memory. It was from great. The week. She paid for the hotel room for the week. It was fantastic. I ended up winning that week. There you go. The hashtag winning. That's great. Um, also, though, and I, we have a picture here on the table uh, of you holding up a peace sign with your ball. And you're actually not holding up a peace sign. You're holding up two number ones, okay? And because I told you at the time that whenever I played sports, I was always number 11. And at the time, I had uh, two uh, young uh, boys, I also have a daughter, but that my boys always wear number 11. And in our household, number 11, we say sticks. One stick and two stick. Okay, so you can say peace. And you said, I use number 11 on my ball. Do you still use number 11? No, that, that left with the uh, sponsorship I had. Is that right? Okay, well, it would tear that, uh, tear that picture out the window. But yeah, I still have a bunch of golf balls with the number 11 on it. It's always really special. And I was Posted about it a couple of weeks ago. I continuously look at my phone when it is 11-11. Whether it's a.m. or p.m. It's like a weird, I just have like a weird thing with it. Okay. Do you have a number you use now or you just, just write your name and number all over whatever it is? No, I'd go one, two, three, one. One, two, three, one. And you get the Sharpie out and you put a little smiley face on the ball. One dot above the title list and okay. just a line. Never seen it before, I'm sure. It's okay. it's a completely original, original, one-of-a-kind marking. Right. Never seen it before. No, right. Everyone this, and everyone in the group has the same marking, yeah. probably. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, let's skip a few years until uh, just recently. You got married. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, you and Johnny had been dating for quite a while, right? So um, uh, a relationship uh, that we want to know, do you go by Jessica Corda still, or is it Jessica Del Preti? Yeah, no, Jessica Corda for now. Okay. Um, definitely anything to do with golf, I will forever be Jessica Corda. So, yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's Madonna. You're just Jessica Corda. Yeah, exactly. Right? Okay. I actually have a last name. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I was going to say you would just be Corda, but then again, with the, the yeah, Fab Five. There's, there's too many of us. The Fab Five, right. That's fantastic. Um, okay, but along those lines, uh, with marriage and just maturity, and we talked, uh, again, before the show started, about you're not the youngster. You're not that 15-year-old. Now you're the, uh, you know, you're the senior veteran out there, and the younger players look up to you. Uh, the sponsors look up to you. 
the fans that come out, they look up to you. No pressure. Thanks. No pressure. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just writing it's this down. Good. Hold on. You know on. what I mean? Um, but with that, you're, you're older, you're wiser, uh, you're a, uh, you know, a wife now. And so how does that change you know, your approach to everything, whether it's approaching uh, coming out um, to play a tournament, uh, prepping, your practice, your family time, your time off. And then after that, we're going to talk about um, the warrior status, all these injuries that come <laughs> with uh, getting a little older also. But let's talk about, again, just your, you know, your life in general. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say anything really has changed since I've been married, to be quite frank with you. It's basically the same, just some paperwork and documentation and extra bling, which I'm never going to complain about. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, we've been together for so long, so it kind of just feels feels the same and um in a sense athletes professional athletes have to be really selfish with their time um especially when they you know want to be great and have to put in the time and all that other stuff but um and he's really understanding and so is our family and that's kind of how it's always been and obviously one day when I decide to step away from the game that selfishness is going to be gone and I will be a wife and hopefully um a mother so who knows, you know, what that's going to look like or when. But when that time comes, I'm sure I'll be ready for it. But for now, I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am. And, yes, I've always been Mama Jess on tour to my sister and her friends and whatever. Like, they, if anyone ever needs anything, they know that they need to call me and I'm going to answer and all that other fun stuff. So I tend to have answers that they need. And um, I just have a really great friend group out here that we all can lean on each other. But... I uh, definitely have the nickname of uh, Mama Jess. Mama Jess. Mama Jess. Uh, one of your friends on tour, Michelle Wee, mm-hmm. she just kind of uh, recently announced the same thing. She's not retiring 100%, her words, not mine, but that she is going to uh, not play as much and really focus on being a mom and a wife and all those things, right? Yeah, she she's she's in a really great place. I just saw her last or at the U.S. Women's Open, and I'm just really happy for her. We've been texting back and forth, and... I think this is kind of just like a weight lifted off of her to be able to kind of pursue the things that she wants to pursue outside of golf. And she's dedicated so much of herself to the game. And um, it's nice. It's nice to see someone be really happy with that next phase of their life because you never know what it may look like. And, you know, being injured and all that stuff that kind of comes with being an athlete. It's just it's really tough. And I'm just glad to see that she's in such a great place where she has a beautiful daughter, an amazing husband, and now two dogs. Uh, they're massive dogs. But, uh, yeah, it's just always good to see your friends kind of go down the path that they really want. And all of us strangers can, too, because the power of social media. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I know you guys her. You guys are know. in our living room. That's all we get to do is just kind of <laughs> just friend you or whatever, and we can just kind of watch. Oh, hey, I like that. Let me know what's going on. <laughs> so, I mean, again, we'll talk maybe later on in the show about that and the privacy or lack thereof. and. Um, We'll get to that, but back to a day in the life. So, okay, nothing changes, but guess what? You said it, um, injuries. Things happen. A few years ago, I think you had um, surgery on your jaw. Um, we talked about two years ago during COVID. We had a Zoom, and uh, same thing. You were had an injury then. So um, talk to me about um, just injuries and um, the amount of time it takes to recover Um with technology, though, I think sometimes you have recovery uh, uh, sleeves on your legs, and there's all kinds of stuff. So maybe just talk to injuries and how that you know affects the tour, the season, all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. We need to stop talking because I'm injured currently. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. No, I've uh, I've been battling a back 
thing since January. I hit a shot and popped my rib out and just been struggling through it. So I've definitely been taking a lot of time off and trying my best to get back to, to fighting form. But you just never know. I mean, some people are super lucky when it comes to their injuries and some people are just not. And that happens, you know. I mean, you can't be perfect and you can't have it perfect in every aspect of your life. And this is just something that I deal with and everyone has their own kind of trials and, yeah, that they get over. And so, Do you, do you think it's because the game is more of an athlete's game now and I'll go to Tiger Woods and his training regimen and prior to Tiger Woods again you had Craig Stadler's you had other uh, PGA professionals that smoked cigarettes you know on the round this is going back to the Ben Hogan days so um, now everyone knows that if you um, you know you do your exercises and you just lift the weights or just whatever there's golf specific training um, and I'm going to call you a warrior Jess okay <laughs> gladiator I think females it's called amazon wonder woman okay <laughs> so serious like that you battle so whether that's because you want to spend another half an hour um at the range yeah putting maybe not gonna you know yank anything a hip or a back out putting but the rest of it so is that because you're all uber competitors and you take it to that next level or is it no that's just the way different bodies are and people are more prone i think mix of two i'm not the type of person that's not going to listen to my body i've been injured way too many times for that uh, so for me, I definitely listen to what my body says. Sometimes I, you know, will choose rest over something like, you know, being in the gym or whatever it might be. I have a great team around me that understands kind of my body sometimes better than I do, which is rather annoying. But, you know, they're the ones kind of reining me in sometimes, and that's how it should be. That's why you have a team around you, and you really have to listen to yourself. I think maybe back in the day we also – didn't have club head speeds as fast as what we do now. We didn't play as much as we do now. We didn't travel as much as we do now. I think people forget that traveling, changing time zones, um, constantly being on the go, it it wears on you, not just mentally, but also physically. And I mean, my injuries have come from literally just about everything. So it's not necessarily just golf, you know, and, and I don't do anything stupid, but falling down the stairs you know there goes your back uh swinging I swung a golf club and my rib popped out like you sneeze and you throw something out like you reach for a box of cereals and something can go out like I mean I've had a partial tear in my forearm because I had to travel with my own golf balls um to Europe because we didn't have golf balls given to us there and they were in the overhead and I ripped my overhead suitcase out and I guess it was just a bad angle and there we go so you just never know. It could be something stupid. It isn't just me hitting a golf ball. Well, hopefully ball. Johnny's got firm hands and he can give the massage. You know, that's what a good husband should do, <laughs> a good a partner. That's what you pay a physio for. <laughs> right on, right on, right on. You want it done, you want it done right or you want it, you know, I get it, yeah, 100%. Hey, guys, it's Brooke. I want to take a minute to talk to you about Dewey Stefan and his great team at Great Lakes Wealth. Do you feel overwhelmed managing your assets? Well, Great Lakes Wealth offers Wall Street solutions with Main Street values. That is really what they are all about. They will help you develop a custom financial plan utilizing all of your assets Assets and keeping your goals in mind. That is what Great Lakes Wealth is all about, helping you and your family achieve your financial dreams. So go to greatlakeswealth.us to schedule an appointment today and tell them Brooke sent you. All right, let's talk about golf a little bit more, and then we'll switch over to um, you know more uh, on the personal side or uh, outside of golf. But um, I'm curious as to what's left. What are your focuses? Are they winning majors? Are they just winning? Um, 
I mean, I don't know what else it would be, but um, what goals do you have left on the LPGA Tour? What brings you here? By the way, we're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, <laughs> for a tournament this week. Uh, but what you know, what is it on the on the course on on during the season on the LPGA that uh, you know lights a fire in your belly? Obviously, winning. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want to win or didn't think I could win. You sacrifice so much time being away from home, and your body is tired um, from the work that you're putting in to not come out here and want to win, you know. Um, so definitely that. Obviously, putting myself in contention, it's so much fun to be, like, that rush that you get, you know, coming down the stretch when you know that you have a chance or you're chasing someone um, down for a title. Those are just, like, some of the greatest moments. You pull, Pulling off these shots that, like, you know, you've seen on TV that maybe Tiger has pulled off or whatever. You just, you know, you, you replay certain things in your head. You're like, that was really cool. I did that. Um, so it's moments like that. And then obviously just creating memories. Um, I've been out here for a really long time, obviously, but that drive never, like, never ends. What I tell my friends when I compete, and I belong to a place in Detroit called the Detroit Athletic Club, and I used to play golf, and then I started playing basketball, and then I started playing squash, and then I started playing racquetball. And so I tell my friends, I have enough friends. I don't have enough championships. Okay, <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win championships. So I understand, and um, there's something that if, if you understand that, that – that's enough, yeah. you know, that's truly enough. Okay, so with the LPGA, before we uh, segue to something else, who are your idols on the LPGA, or who were they when you were Baby Jess? And then also, who are any nemesis rivals? Or, um, you know, let's get into um, the LPGA GOAT, original gangsta, OG. <laughs> you know, give me some of the names that come to mind. I think you're trying to stir the pot here. Um <laughs> I actually, funny, and it's not funny, but funny enough, I didn't know much. Start with much. Nelly, right? Let's yeah. start with your sis. Well, I was going to say, I didn't really know much growing up about the LPGA Tour. Um, I knew more, obviously, about the PGA Tour, Tiger Woods, and, like, all that stuff. I thought I was going to be playing in, in the Masters, and, like, the PGA Tour was, like, I didn't think of myself as maybe as a girl, or I don't know. I was very tomboyish, and I was, like, I'm going to play, like, golf against the guys. That's all I did growing up. And then I was on a junior Solheim Cup team, and Nancy Lopez was our captain. I got to know Nancy. I got to know Patty Sheehan. I got to know Pat Bradley. It was so cool from not knowing who these women were really to then, like, opening up these floodgates of watching them play, you know, on tapes. And then Annika, obviously, Lorena, obviously, Yanni Singh. Um, those were some of the women that I loved watching when I was growing up. Um, it was really cool as a, as a junior playing in U.S. Women's Open and, you know, being in the locker room with Morgan Pressel, and she knew who I was, and I was, like, 15 years old, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. So I had some great women around me growing up uh, watching the game of golf once I realized who everybody was and made it to, like, the U.S. Women's Open. It was really, really cool, and now are the people that drive me are my friends, are the great players that I have out here my sister being one of them, obviously, I always credit her for reviving my career. Um, this is a very, very lonely place, and I was traveling by myself with, again, at the time, there weren't very many young girls out here, and so it, it was tough to kind of figure out how I fit into this huge puzzle that is the tour, and having her come out, it just really helped me revive me as a person and also in my career. And I don't want to stir the pot, but when I watch um, women's golf and I watch the LPGA Tour, literally whoever wins 
everyone who's stuck around, like the final, final three groups or whatever, whatever other players are around, they literally all come up and hug the winner and they high five. And I mean, they're, I don't know if they're, sh- you know, spraying water and, but looks like everyone really is um, celebrating and supportive. Um, I get that deep down, whoever just lost by the pot or whatever, they're, they're a little salty or just a little bit, you know, shock, but I don't see that on the men's tour for sure. And, um, you know, is that, you know, half, real half not or you know is it 100 percent real is it kind of i don't know everyone's just kind of be polite you know the golf clap of uh, the ladies tour maybe what you know what can you give me a little color on that well i would say that the men do it as well they're just not they're you know they're waiting for them by the um scoring or whatnot um it's real (laughs) it's real we're always so happy if you know one of our friends wins or um we want great golf to win we want people to be entertained and you appreciate that no matter who you are, um, if you finished 60th or if you finished second. You know, you wanted that battle to come down. You want those people to feel what you kind of feel, and you want it to be entertaining. So, yeah, I think it's very, very real on our tour. I mean, I get really excited. I was just watching um, my friend Jody. She had a chance to win. She eagled the last hole, like missed out on the playoff. And I was like, what are you doing to me? Like, I'm over here, like, stressing about you, and I'm at home, and you're right. over there. She's like, it's because you love me. And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's so awesome. So, you know, you're still each other's biggest fans because at the end of the day, we want great golf to win, you know. And these girls are our family. We travel. It's like a huge traveling circus. Sometimes can feel like a really big mess, but it is a huge traveling circus, and some of your best friends are here. Besides your sister, and maybe she is one, but – do you have a rival out here? Again, a friendly rival. It doesn't have to be someone you want to, you know, hope has a flat tire and doesn't make it to the first tee. God, but, no. uh, but, I mean, do you have, you know, do you have uh, competitiveness with one or two, um, you know, ladies other than, you know, other than your sister? Or maybe it is her. The golf course every single week. Okay. I mean, it, this is not a one-on-one, head-to-head match play. Like, you know, nothing I do is going to affect the other person unless it's like, I don't even know. It's just worst case scenario. But I'm trying to beat the golf course and trying to do the best that I can because, again, nothing that they do is going to affect me and nothing I really do unless I, like, start burning every hole and somehow get into their head. But at, at that time, I'm, I'm concentrating on what I'm trying to do. Golf is hard enough. There's so many elements to golf already that the last thing I need to be doing is playing mind games out there when the rest of the field isn't anywhere near my pairing. For me personally, no, I don't. I, I feel that every single week I'm trying to beat the golf course and um, put together the best score that I possibly can. And at the end of the day, if that beats the players, great. If not, you know, I'm going to try again. But when you get into a match play situation, oh, yeah, you want that person to go down. Right. And, like, by that back nine, you're thinking about food. And you're like, okay, what hole is the closest to the clubhouse? <laughs> so that's usually how that goes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um and you're right, uh, the golf course. And this is for all the um, wannabe golfers out there or wannabe better golfers out there. Don't focus on beating the person in your group. Focus on your score yeah. and whatever that is, hitting par, beating par, whatever your you know uh, goal for the hole, right? Yeah. Fantastic. Um, all right, we're going to switch gears. We're slowly going to segue kind of <laughs> with golf, but moving away a little bit. Um, your father has been known to preach quality over quantity. Have you heard this? <laughs> yeah, a couple okay. times. <laughs> okay. And you've been uh, known to say, prove it with practice. Uh-huh. Have you also heard of this? <laughs> and there's also a quote that I found 
uh, from you, Jess, which is, I believe patience is key, not only to practice in golf, but also in life. Yep. So with that, um, how has quality over quantity changed as you've gotten older and with these injuries um, on golf, but in life and the things, whether that's um, outside, you know, business ventures or just your free time with your, uh, you know, your uh, husband and Charlie. So just uh, proving it with practice, even outside of the golf course. Maybe it's talking to mom about uh, cooking some dishes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that was COVID. That was okay. during COVID. I was like, oh my God, I have to cook now. How do we do this? <laughs> no more takeout. You should say, what do we do? Yeah, okay. well, I literally called my mom. I was like, what do we do? I'm That's not even it. kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, um, quality over quantity has been something that has been drilled into us from a very young age. Still to this day with whatever it is, I'm not going to spend four hours in a gym just because I like the people in there. I'm going to go in, do my work, and then then leave. And same thing, I, it also like transfers into my friends is I actually enjoy quality time with them, and I don't need to be around them every single day. In a sense, I also enjoy being a hermit and not leaving my house. Um, being with Charlie and my husband is just, it's so nice to be able to kind of unwind from the daily stresses that we have and just be at home. But with injuries and stuff, you just learn that, you know, what you need to put into it. Um, You know that coming out here and beating a bunch of balls and being bent over for a bunch of hours on the putting green, it's just not not what's going to push me to be better. It's just going to push me to be hurting the next day. So I try to do the things that I know are going to prepare me the best um, to go out there and, you know, shoot a great score. And obviously that with that has been trial and error. Sometimes I've done too much and it, my body has hated it. And sometimes I did too little to where I didn't feel like I was prepared. There's definitely that happy medium and everyone's medium is different. Um, and that transfers into life um, and into just about anything that you do. You know, if you're all into work, obviously your personal life hurts. And if you're all into personal life, uh, the bank account hurts. <laughs> so there's a happy medium in everything. And for everyone, it's something else. Absolutely. Do you think that the younger you are, the more you're supposed to have uh, quantity over quality? And then as you get older, stop and smell the roses or look at your trophies. Stop and look at your swag. I don't know, whatever. There, it's different. Um, when you're younger, it's more detail oriented I feel like the older you are the more it's about um, playing the game you already have all this experience of the details you've done it a million times over and over again and now it's trusting yourself trusting your body um, to do what it needs to do muscle memory you hear gymnasts talk about it all the time I think Simone Biles always has been saying that she goes into the gym and does this routine over and over and over and over again, and she might fail a couple times, but she'll get back up on the beam and do it all over again. And then when she gets to big competitions, you know, your body just takes over and knows the motions that it needs to do. So it's very similar to that in golf where you've done this thing over and over again, and now it's kind of just trusting yourself and letting your body kind of take over. But with golf, obviously, your mind takes over sometimes and – not so successful. <laughs> no, but that's it, right? If you have to, uh, if you have to play around, then you can just go to the range, and you're not trying to 
maybe you know fix anything. You're not the, the range the day before your round in the tournament is not to really to fix something. Maybe you put a bandaid on something mm-hmm. if it's not working that morning. But in general, right, it's just to get loose right. and just to um, just to get that repetition and get your body in sync with your mind. Yeah, I mean, I've had some of the worst warm ups. I'm talking worst warm up you've ever seen. Like, to like go Hassel Shanks. No, that's not okay, not that bad. But okay. like for a professional, I like, mean, you could say it, one or two. It was but. like. I mean, I've won a tournament shanking it. So, okay. like, shanked it OB and Seoul ended up winning, which is quite nice. Not something I want to repeat, right. but <laughs> it did happen. But, um, yeah, it was worst warm-up. Like, couldn't hit the target. I mean, it was like army golf, left, right, left, right. It was terrible. And I looked at my caddy. I handed him back the club, and I go, I have no idea what we're going to have today, so uh, let's just be surprised. And I ended up shooting some of the best rounds, you know. I, I even won, I've won like that because you just go out there, you're – no expectation at the time, and you just let her rip, and that's kind of how it is sometimes. Grip it and rip it. Yeah. That's it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it probably doesn't, but uh, ride it if it's working, right? Exactly. That's great. All right, we're going to switch again. I want to know about Charlie. I'm familiar with Charlie, but Justin Thomas once reshared an Instagram story saying Jessica's second career (laughs) is a dog sitting service. Have you heard of this? I'm not sure. If so you're when Justin and his um, fiance Jill got Franklin, Charlie was the first dog that he, um, Franklin met. He was like eight weeks old, and they became instant best friends. And at the time, I was like, I want another dog. I want another dog. And so I kept begging him. I'm like, if you guys leave, like, let me take care of him. And again, this is during COVID. Like Franklin's a COVID dog, so I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like, let me take care of this, of him. And it was so much fun, like, Frank, watching Frank go up and down the stairs for the first time and the two of them just outside in the backyard. And it is so much easier to have two dogs because you don't have to play with the one all the time. And they kind of just play together, tire each other out, and then you get double the snuggles. So, double and snuggles. They're, they're such snugglers. Like, they're, Franklin's such a good boy. And with Charlie, it's just so much fun to have them around. So now I tell Justin and Jill, if, if they ever put Franklin into like doggy daycare or whatever when I'm home I will never speak to him again (laughs) right you guys live in the same town yeah okay that's awesome um what else so let's talk about your life in a fishbowl let's talk about with the (laughs) social media I got to learn that you are going to be the world's best dog sitter Mm-hmm. after uh, your LPJ career is over right. because of this thing called social media. I talked <laughs> earlier today, uh, starting the show, about our Instagram, our Facebook, our Spotify, our Apple iTunes with the podcast, TikTok. That's the new one. But uh, your life in a fishbowl, uh, like it, want to leave it. It's okay in moderation. Um, I think I was watching another uh, interview. You, you, you called it the... Uh, the something, uh, the keyboard warriors or something. So um, I know the, probably the cliche answer is, um, you know, you wish you didn't have to do it, but it's part of the part of the deal. But I don't know, maybe give us your raw uh, comments that it's all in, all out, or, you know, playing the game. I mean, I started with it all in. I loved it. It was great. And then, I don't know, a couple of years ago, it, like, turned to this, like, people got really mean. And so I also just stopped putting a lot of content out there and then I decided to just put out what I wanted to put out not necessarily everything in my life but it just a piece just pieces here and there because I still want to be connected it's still really cool to connect with people that normally you wouldn't you know that they maybe don't have the opportunity to come out to LPJ tour events I've also met some really you know made some great um, friendships through it as well and 
um, connected with other athletes through social media. So it's been really cool. And obviously sponsors love it. It's an extra reach and stuff like that. So it obviously has its benefits, but obviously there's always a downside to just about everything in life and the keyboard warriors being one of them, but my favorite button is block. Um, and now you can block any account that they make Mm -hmm. on the literally anything so um yeah i just use that a a decent amount and but yeah it's i like being able to put stuff out there um to make us more normal i guess i think as normal people i look at it from other like other athletes as well you know like for me my the ultimate athlete to me was always Lindsay vaughn um someone that was always injured but picked herself up and freaking sent herself down a mountain with like nothing holding her knees in so insane but to me she's like the ultimate athlete and it's cool to see her normal it's it's you know I love watching her dogs <laughs> like walking them and going on hikes with them and seeing like the hustle that the hustle that she has now with her businesses so it's cool to just see the other side of the person that it's not just this like person that you put on a pedestal you know they are human and they do normal things just like we do so it's it's cool and again you can use it um to promote causes you can promote who you are if you know the kardashians you can go (laughs) you know out there uh but you can also use it uh for your brand whether that's your family brand uh sharing you know uh charlie and what you're doing um all in it could just be all golf all the time um i have seen you you know um with your sponsors, you promote um, their goods and services on it. That's part of the biz, right? Yeah. I mean, so you're able to do that and maybe catch a, a, a bigger audience, a bigger reach. But certainly everyone um, knows that the downside um, are those people that uh, take it too seriously and that whether they comment every day in your world is probably like directed at you or things you didn't do that ruined their lives somehow, <laughs> right? But, it, you know, politics for the, the everyday um person out there it's politics it's religion it's stuff that's you know they just want to pick fights with people and so um um, i think the biggest thing is the takeaway from all of it is if you wouldn't say it to my face don't say it on social media yeah um i think people are it's easier for them to hide behind that keyboard that's why they're called keyboard warriors but i would like to have them say that to my face maybe once or twice and see how that goes for just about anyone. Right. Take on uh, <laughs> Jessica Warrior with all the, uh, you know, with no, her gladiator why, that's status. Why the, that's why there's a block button. And then after that, they just disappear where they... Yeah. Well, you. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit again before the show about uh, your philanthropy and your charitable causes. And again, you said you keep them, you know, close to the vest, and um, you're not someone who's trying to get extra attention. You um, you are an ambassador for the game of golf, for women's golf, for women, for uh, ladies, for girls, uh, for business entrepreneurs, and all of that. But um, I'd like to just uh, let you give a shout out. You know, I know. From talking beforehand, like I said, uh, I always see you celebrating our servicemen and women at tournaments. So maybe just touch on that or anything else, um, you know, related to just, um, you know, those um, out there that we want to celebrate. Yeah, no, I mean, I always say thank you for your service and just talk to to our men and women in service, um, keeping us safe and everything. They're putting their lives on the line for, for us to be able to live a free life in a sense so anytime I get to see anyone um in the service I always say my thanks and you know current past and 
maybe even some present, but um, I've had a friend that, that was in was in the service. So it's cool to also hear kind of the stories of behind the scenes and it's a really tough life. Um, so yeah, every time I get to see someone, I just want, want them to know that they're appreciated and that everything that they are doing isn't going unnoticed. And then it's not just, they're not just checking a box. That's so important. And, uh, we haven't had, you know, the, the military exercises, you know, since COVID, but you know, when everyone came back from Afghanistan, um, there was just you know, the, the commentary was that they came home um, and they were, you know, just left to be by, you know, themselves to figure it out post um, all the wars that had happened. So it's important absolutely to um, thank them and to celebrate them. So I agree 100% with that. So all you uh, podcast listeners out there, make sure when you see a uh, veteran or you see an active service member that you do thank them, uh, appreciate them for their service. Absolutely. Um, yes. So we're going to segue now. Okay, Jess. Uh, we're going we're gonna to end the show in a few minutes with some quick tips for the golfers out there. I'm going to oh give you some uh, just rapid fire, one tip, one trick, change your game for life from <laughs> Jessica Corda. But before we do that, we're going to segue to my favorite part of the show. Okay. The show is called What Do We Do? We talk about what do we do. Um, this is not about what I would tell people to do to invest for success or be healthy, wealthy, and wise. This is an episode as a leader that you are, we call it what Jessica do. And what would Jessica Corda tell her 18-year-old self or 18-year-old young uh, ladies and gentlemen out there today uh, to live their best life? I would just say trust yourself. I think a lot of the time you doubt a lot of things, especially being young, really going into it, not knowing, and the unknown can scare you. But I think trusting your gut and then going out with a very open mind and saying yes to opportunities is, is really key. Awesome. Okay, so with that, we're going to get back to golf to wrap it up. <laughs> I'm going to let you give a shout-out to your sponsors, and specifically we'll start with golf. I want to know what's in your bag. I want to know what's on your feet. I want to know what kind of a skull cap you have ready to go for those 7 a.m. starts when it's a little chilly. And then if you want to talk about what kind of water you're drinking or what kind of watch you're wearing, you can kind of get into it. But uh, let's talk about uh, the golf bag 2022, including the balls. Yeah, so I am a Titleist ambassador, so I literally have 14 clubs of Titleist. Obviously, Scotty Cameron putter, you can't forget that. Um, my golf ball is also Titleist. Shocking, I know. One, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three, one. Don't use fours, never have. <laughs> Don't like them. They're my practice golf balls. Um, I uh, Yeah, they're an awesome partner. I'm head-to-toe foot joy now as well, which has been really cool to kind of Add um, their first professional ambassador, uh, female ambassador, which is really, really cool um, to work with the team to kind of redesign the line a little bit, um, add things that I've learned that I feel like, you know, women need on a golf course and um, use, especially pockets. Man, pockets are just so underrated. <laughs> um, and just add like just a little twist to it. Um, so I'm really excited about that brand partnership. It's fairly new and um, I've had some fantastic partners that have been with me like Franklin Templeton has been with me forever obviously Mutual Volma has been with me for a while a new company that I really love is Live Pure it's a really really yummy electrolyte drink um, being out on the golf course in the heat for hours at a time 
um, you kind of learn what's good and what isn't and what has too much sugar, what makes you drop, makes your levels drop. And this has been something that I have loved learning about, especially the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, they've been, it's been awesome to be surrounded by amazing brands and, um, especially the, the partners that I've had for a long time. They honestly do feel like family. And you said it earlier, uh, it takes a team, and that is, is your team. team, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, we say team at our firm. Together, everyone achieves more. Everyone else out there says the same thing. Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork, yep. It's so true, <laughs> but together, everyone achieves more. Let's go 2022 with a new uh, twist on team. Okay, we're going to go into some fast, rapid fire about things that our non-pro golfers can do to uh, improve their game without actually having to go get a half an hour, hour lesson, okay? So um, what are one or two of the biggest mistakes you see amateur golfers make? Try to hit the ball too hard. You do not practice enough to try to do that, nor do you work out enough to do that. <laughs> Swing smooth. <laughs> yes. Okay, fantastic. What is one thing that our young adult golfers, the millennials that are just starting out but want to catch on to this game called golf, what is one thing they can do to score better? Millennials or Gen Z? Gen Z. All right, let's go. Let's go. I'm a millennial. All right, let's go Gen Zs. You got me. Um, yeah, no. Uh for them, I mean, honestly, it's practice, um, and but make it fun. You know, it's still a game. Hit those shots. Try to shape the golf ball in the driving range and get consistent at everything. Uh, your putting, uh, whether it's just gripping the club, but get consistent at that. Just But have fun doing it. You know, go out there and play with your friends. Um, play an up-and-down match for, I mean, it could be literally push-ups. Just make sure it's for something. You want to feel those uh, competitive juices flowing and that pressure of having to win. You know, there's nothing worse than going out there and feeling nothing and just doing the work. Because then when you do get, you know, under the gun or you're in, in a tournament, all of a sudden you have these feelings that you've never had before and you don't know how to deal with it. Absolutely. Is there a difference in what a you know, an amateur or up-and-coming woman golfer should focus on or a man, a Gen Z boy man, <laughs> young man, uh, you know, whether, I don't know, whether their approach to the long drive. So let's say that. So to uh, the young golfers out there to improve their drive, is there something for a woman, something for a man that's different or it's the same? No, because golf is such a, I would say, genderless sport. Obviously, we are have a women's tour and we have a men's tour, but when it comes to the golf, it's all the same. We have practice the same, you know, we try to hit the same shots. Obviously men have way more speed than women, so they can pull off a lot more, um, especially when it comes to spin, but the men are so jealous of how straight we hit oh, it and yeah. how consistent we are. So, you know, it's, it's awesome to learn from both. I think the biggest thing is go out there and play together. Um, I loved competing with the guys I thought that that was so much fun and as an eight-year-old um, I was always told that if I wanted to play with the boys I had to play off the back tees and I think that's why I love you know long golf courses and I hit it far and the competitiveness is in me because I always wanted to beat the boys yeah the men always want to have a female swing woman's <laughs> swing and the women always just want to have the men's length right so yeah more just like the ability to to move the golf ball the way that they do and create the spins that they do. Watching JT hit some of the highest irons I've ever seen. Like, 
I, I know I can't do that. I've never seen a girl do that. I thought you were going with that. the Bubba Watson, with the carving to the right, carving to the I left. I mean, that's just another example. Like, Bubba's shot, I mean, playing Augusta National, you go and look and where he where he hit that shot from. And I, I actually told him at Solheim Cup, I was like, I have no idea how you did that. Like, lefty or righty. Like, it is insane, the stuff that they can do. And these golf balls aren't easy to shape. It's not like back in the day, you know, where you really could shape these golf balls. This is a lot harder. So... It's incredible to watch, and just like we're amazed by them, they're always amazed by us. Um, it's always really fun. They, they say that they've never seen somebody hit as many fairways as we do and be as, as consistent and plot our way around a golf course. And um, it's just it's cool to be able to kind of take what they have and try to do it, and then they try to be a little bit like we are. And, you know, it's it's a nice little balance between us. 100%. Okay, so a few more. So what is one thing that amateur golfers can do directly to drive better? Obviously, it's practice. Okay. <laughs> Get a lesson. Make sure your fundamentals are right. Um, if you don't know where you're aiming, how can you possibly try to hit it hard or anywhere in the fairway? Put an alignment stick down and figure out where you're trying to aim the golf ball first. If your body's going 50 yards left and you're trying to hit it 50 yards right, you're going to have a problem. So make sure everything's squared up and go from there. Okay. And then uh, putting. What's one thing that the listeners out there can do today to be better putters? Feel. Don't try to ram it in. Um, you know, every golf course that you're going to go to is going to be different. It's going to have different speeds, different grass, all that fun stuff. So go on the putting green and hit a couple putts. See, really feel them in instead of trying to ram them in. Um, that's the biggest mistake is I see people make is, is their speed on their greens. They say that uh, 100% of putts that are, sh- that are short don't go in. Yeah, but how many six-footers can you make? Booyah. Right <laughs> you. Great. So the final question I have that we're going to wrap up is, in the older days, it used to be drive for show and putt for dough. Well, I've read articles lately, and whether that's because of uh, uh, Bryson and other uh, long hitters out there, that um, uh-uh. if you actually do the math and figure it out, it actually is, you got to keep that drive you know, in the fairway, but it is. It's drive for the dough and then putt for, I don't know, extra dough or something <laughs> extra, like that. Yeah. Right? So what are your thoughts on um, the drive for show Putt for dough versus um, driving sets you up to uh, have that short game uh, win it. I think the way our golf courses are set up, it's still the same. Drive for show, putt for dough. Okay. Um, what, what, they, what Bryson is doing is just completely out of this world. It, it's so out there. He's the 1% of the 1%. He might even be 0.5% of the 0.5%. Um, it's honestly so admirable what he's doing. And the fact that he can actually hit it straight and control it is is mind-blowing. Um, so, yeah, th- he's not somebody that I would idolize to do that. I would still like to hit, play within myself and, you know, hit as many fairways and give myself as many opportunities as I can, especially with a fragile body like mine. <laughs> you don't need me winding and unwinding with extra stiff shafts. So uh, I think to each their own. Um but when it comes to putting, it's definitely always going to be putt for dough because you're standing over that putt to win. You're not standing over your driver to win. Love it. That's so true. All right, you heard it here first, podcast listeners. Um, with Jet Jessica, um, anything to wrap up? Anything you'd like to say? The, the audience is yours. This mic is yours. <laughs> uh, what? Anything you want to uh, say before we go? I mean, I'm good. All I would say is just thanks for listening to us for the last hour. <laughs> Heck, yeah. This is number... 
63 and number 21 of season two. With that, Jessica Corda, you're amazing. You are a warrior. And uh, at 29 years old, and with what you've done so far, as we say on our show, we're just getting started. And I think you're just getting started. Thanks for being here, Jess. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Booyah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, do it. One more time. Booyah, there we that's go. it. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, we're back in the studio after that amazing interview with Jessica Corda. Again, a big thank you to Jess for taking time out of her busy schedule, preparing for her golf tournament to spend a few minutes with us. We want to welcome Brooke back. Brooke, good to see you. You too, Dewey. And what an amazing run season two has been. We've had some amazing 21 episodes, right? Yes. And nine guests nine. that have uh, been with us on this What Do We Do podcast. They say time flies when you're having fun. Exactly. And it's certainly been a uh, one heck of a ride, and it it's has. hard to believe that season two is wrapping up. Time for summer fun. <laughs> summer time. And uh, you said we had nine guests. Yes, nine. Right? Yeah. So uh, we started with Kevin O'Leary. Yep. Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. And then uh, after uh, Kevin, we actually had our first interview with you. Mm-hmm. Got to learn a, bit, a little bit about Brooke Allen right. and uh, the Twinkies. And my Twinkies. And then we kind of got into it with uh, Mr. Uh, Detroit Radio, Mike Valenti. Mike Valenti. Mike, my man. And then uh, we went on Charlotte Alex from Beaumont. We also had Tom Chalani was one of our most recent uh, guests in studio. He and, was fantastic. Yeah, and Linda Wagner, one of my favorites, Linda right? Linda Schlesinger Wagner. <laughs> she's my favorite. She's my hey, favorite. Hey, you're not wearing pink. You were supposed to be you wearing know, pink. You <laughs> know, she sent us this amazing care package, mm-hmm. and in there were two skinny tees that were pink. And, right. Um, I th- they were they weren't uh, addressed to anyone, so I thought those were the two you know men right, tank yeah. tops. They weren't. I put it on, <laughs> and I got like the little the little girdle effect, and I messaged her. Right. I said, "Is this the right size?" She laughed at those those uh, smiley laughing right. emojis and said, "That's a girl's tee." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm stronger than I thought. Oh. Bigger. I gotta stop hitting the gym." But so yes, sad Linda, I missed that. Linda was amazing. She sent to our entire team of all the women in our office and all the women in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, she sent us a, a wonderful care package and what an amazing story uh, she had. So we appreciate her being on for sure. Right. Uh, David Provost, mm-hmm. uh, one of my biggest uh, mentors, friends. Uh, David was a fantastic guest and he was so generous with his time as well. Mark Reith, yes. another friend of mine from yep. Atwater, uh, no longer at Atwater. He uh, uh, he decided to move on and go uh, some go do something else. So his actual last official interview as the president of Atwater Breweries was with us. That's awesome. So that's pretty fantastic too. Mark, we know you're killing it now. And, <laughs> um, you know, I'll see you this summer on the golf course for sure. We had Austin Hatch. Did we yes, mention Austin him already? Hatch, yeah. Austin was great. And um, I think that might be nine. Kevin O'Leary, Mike Valenti, Charlotte Alex from Beaumont uh, Children's Hospital and the Children's Miracle Network. Uh, Tom Chalani, Jessica Corda. You're a star. Austin Hatch, Linda Schlesinger-Wagner, David Provost, and Mark Reith. Woo, time flies when you've got big dogs in the studio and (laughs) on the golf course and on TV. And bowling and doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, uh, it's been a tremendous season. 
And we do. All of our listeners and our viewers, we want to thank you, each and every one of you, for listening, for viewing, spending time with us, encouraging us, subscribing, downloading, sharing. sharing. We are over 40,000 downloads and over 300,000 all views on social media. It's insane what's happening with the podcast. We're so blessed. It's been so much fun and Obviously, you're the expert, the financial expert, but I've learned a lot, you know, and it's just been so great. So thank you. Well, we appreciate you and your efforts of uh, bringing us the uh, topics <laughs> du jour. And um, again, we want to, again, thank everyone. And we're going to see you in the fall. But the summer will be uh, some uh, highlights, mm -hmm. some clips, some best of. Best ofs. And then we'll be back uh, with some changes. We're working on season three. And stay tuned. We'll be back with uh, what we come up with when we finish <laughs> figuring it out. All right. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And with that, we'll see everyone in September for season three. Until then. Hey. Hey. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. <laughs> The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.